Blog Talk Radio. Looking for informative educational radio and not the same jumble for hours? Then Sports Beat, your alternative, is next as part of Mountain Meadow Productions. Stay tuned. and Sportsbeat Radio, this is Sportsbeat, a provocative, insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listeners to the specific of sports. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener, and with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question, over and over sports radio, but we like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back, and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sports Beat, and we're coming at you live. And I'm your host, John Spoolis. So Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday program, the 26th day of September 2023. Thanks so much for joining us on yet another, our 1,004th radio show, all the way back to 2016, where we like to bring you educational sports Radio, not to call in, not the same, you know, bumble that goes on and, uh, you know, this, that, and the other, but we like to have you leave with some sort of education uh, aspiration to the subjects that um, we present. And today we're going to be talking about Heisman Trophy failures. And, uh, you know, it seems kind of an odd thing to say when you win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, you know, you would think that you're the greatest of greats, and that's true. You are the greatest collegiate player presented each year uh, to uh, the best collegiate player in football. But it's also as another side to it, uh, much like the sophomore jinx of quarterbacks, uh, much like the maligned Sports Illustrated cover where players don't seem to reach the accolades of, you know, where they uh, were before they were on the cover. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of situations with it that we wanted to talk about, and uh, we'll get started with it. But before we do, I wanted to speak a little bit about the New York Jets. And, uh, you know, this is a team that uh, last year, uh, you know, had a pretty good defense, uh, Joe Douglas, who came, I believe, from Chicago, uh, probably had the best draft the last couple of years in NFL history. He solidified the defense. Uh, he got weapons uh, and also got Aaron Rodgers, which is all we've heard about now for the last eight or nine months. Aaron Rodgers is a name that is burned into our brain like a brand. Every sports radio show in the metropolitan New York area has started their four-hour shift with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it's this, that, Aaron Rodgers, this and that. And um, around Aaron Rodgers, they put pieces together. They have uh, Lazard from Green Bay. Uh, they got uh, Cook 
from uh, Dalvin Cook from Minnesota. And so now all sports radio talked about was if we don't get to the Super Bowl, it will be a bust. That's all they talked about. And when you look at it, uh, it looked pretty good on paper. You know, one of the great game's great quarterbacks and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but, you know, how many times have we seen great teams on paper, great rosters fail? Look at the New York Mets. This is a team that came in with uh, Francisco Lindor, a superstar with the Guardians, not so much so with the Mets. Two of the game's great accomplished pitchers, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, both getting $40 million. They didn't even make it through the season. Both of them are with different teams. And the team failed miserably. There were some sparks, but it wasn't consistent. And so when you look at, you know, the situation uh, with the New York Jets, uh, what happens well, they go down in flames in the first game against Buffalo, four plays into it. Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles. Now, he claims he's coming back in January, but very few people come back. We looked at Kevin Durant, who had that problem. He wasn't the same player as he was. Uh, Lawrence Taylor had that problem late in his career, caused him to retire. He couldn't move laterally as well. And it's a debilitating injury. And this is a Jets team that, uh, you know, promised the moon and the stars, but they had no contingency plan. Here's Zach Wilson, the third year, I believe, that he's been there, a high draft pick, number two pick. But quarterbacks generally uh, don't make it in the NFL. The percentage is very low of quarterbacks that do well. I mean, we look at uh, Rosen a few years ago, who uh, was supposed to be this – you know, ethereal star, and he faded out. Uh, Max Leinert, way back uh, with the Cardinals, was fizzled out, even though he was uh, a star with USC. And so Zach Wilson has not shown the fans that he is a NFL quarterback. He can't complete a simple screen pass without over or under-throwing the ball, and he can't hit his targets because he throws late, and for every three times he has the ball, he gets sacked twice because he doesn't know how to get rid of it. And so is it the ineptitude of this young quarterback, or is it the ineptitude, which I feel strongly about, in the coaching staff? You know, not all great uh, coordinators are great head coaches. That's almost the same rule as quarterbacks coming out of college. You look at the uh, coordinators – out of Bill Belichick's regime. Charlie Weiss was supposed to be this brilliant defensive uh, genius. He goes to Notre Dame and he gets fired. College football one step below the pros. He gets fired from a noble university. And you look at uh, some of the other uh, situations. The, uh, I can't think of his name at the, at the moment, uh, who goes to Detroit. And the Ford family ends up firing him. And then you have Josh McDaniel, who was this great, uh, you know, icon of offensive coordinators under Tom Brady. Many people felt that he made Brady what he is. And he goes to Denver, becomes 6-0, and and then loses most of the rest of the season, and then loses the second season, gets fired. Then that debacle with the Indianapolis Colts where he goes and signs with the Colts, 
as the new head coach, and before he could be fitted for his new coaching shirt, he resigns a few days later in a bizarre situation. Now, once again, he raises his head again from the Phoenix, from the ashes, and goes to Vegas to take on the Raiders team that looks atrocious. Nowhere near what their uh, history was. And by the same token, uh, Robert Salah, who is the new head coach of the New York Jets now for a few years, coming off a defensive coordinator of the San Francisco Giants, who was uh, San Francisco 49ers, excuse me, who was uh, all everything, uh, to me uh, doesn't have good clock management. Their plays are stale. There's no creativity, and it doesn't look like they're helping their quarterback at all with some of the plays. And most of the plays, all the plays now are sent in through uh, the offensive coordinator. Quarterbacks very seldom call their plays like in the old days. And then, of course, you had the messenger guards coming in with plays from the coaches. And now it's helmets. The quarterback has a helmet, and he hears the radio signal from the offensive coordinator. But the plays have been dismal, and the New York Jets – look like a team that they were the last few years. This is a team that struggles to win. This is a team that should have beaten the Patriots. And Zach Wilson now, as Robert Salah says, is our future. Well, if you look at his past, it hasn't been very good. Even Joe Namath made a comment the other day on the Michael Kay show out of ESPN in New York, and he said, I've seen enough of Zach Wilson. Joe Namath, the last of the great icons of the Jets Super Bowl victory over the Colts, Super Bowl three. There's not too many quarterbacks that know more about the game than him, and he said that he's through with Zach Wilson. But is it Zach Wilson or is it the coaching staff? Uh, I've seen some very, very negatives in play calling with coaches. And to me, uh, the New York Jets, I think, are, are you know certainly in trouble. Uh, they don't have a quarterback. They don't have a contingency plan. The contingency plan was uh, that Aaron Rodgers was going to start and that Zach Wilson would sit with his uh, Surface iPad, take notes under the tutelage of a great quarterback, and try to learn from that and then take over once uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, goes off into the sunset, which may be soon with this injury. And this is what you're giving the fans. You're giving them uh, the nod from the head coach that tells the fans and the public of the NFL that we are going to go with a failed quarterback. And so this is a, a, a league that sometimes you have to scratch your head and wonder, you know, what the hell's going on out there, as Vince Lombardi once said. So uh, the Jets uh, season looks like it could be in turmoil. It looks like uh, it isn't going to be what people thought and hoped it would be. And, you know, sports radio always amazes me with these call-in shows and everything. You know, they had, they had the Jets. Most of them all had the Jets going to the Super Bowl. And that's not guaranteed. You know, you didn't, you didn't figure out Miami. Miami could be the best team in football right now. They put 70 up on Denver. 70. That hasn't been done in 50 years. They could have put three more on, but the uh, coach of the of the Dolphins in the last uh, minute or so, they could have kicked a field goal, but he he was uh, felt sorry for them, and uh, they just downed the ball and ran out the clock. It could have been seventy three to twenty. It was an ass whipping of major proportion of a of a of a Sean Payton team, 
And then you look at uh, Russell Wilson. Is he done? What's wrong with him? This is a team that supposedly has a great defense, and they gave up 70? I don't know. I don't, I don't think for as long as I've watched football, I don't know that I understand the league and some of these uh, uh, so-called geniuses that are in there. So anyway, we're getting to our story, the failures of the Heisman. And one of them, uh, when, you know, when you look at uh, the, the situation, uh, we had one player years ago, back in the 70s, Archie Griffin out of Ohio State, who won back-to-back Heismans. He was really not a great pro. I believe he played for the Bengals at, you know, at one point, but not, nothing sensational as he was uh, at Ohio State. And then the second year, they really didn't have any great, great players. He was the best of the bunch, and he won a second time. So the 67 Heisman uh, winner would play for Washington for two seasons. He wasn't given much playing time as he was backing up future Hall of Famer Sonny Jorgensen. And after the Redskins released him in 70, this was um, Gary Beban, for those of you who remember. Uh, UCLA finished uh, with a 7-2 and record in 67. He threw for 1,359 yards and eight touchdowns. And a second draft, uh, round draft pick of the Rams in 68, his rights were traded uh, then to the uh, – Redskins, and he wasn't given much playing time, as I said, after the Redskins released him in 1970, he signed with the Broncos, however, he was placed on waivers and retired immediately. Then you had John Ewart, Notre Dame career, only had one good season in his senior year, he became the Fighting Irish's starting quarterback and won all but one game during the 64 season, followed uh, his Heisman season, the Anaheim native was drafted by both pro football leagues. He would sign with the AFL's Jets over the NFL's Eagles. However, he was beaten out by uh, a guy that we all know, uh, Joe Namath, who finished 11th in Heisman voting. Hardy, uh, you were, excuse me, did see action as a backup quarterback from 66 to 1972. A lot of people mispronounce his name. They call him Hardy, but his name was actually Ewart, H-U-A-R-T-E. And uh, he was uh, yet another failure in the scheme of things. Then you had Ty Detmer. His junior season in 1990 is one of the greatest seasons for a quarterback in college football history. The BYU alum threw for 5,188 passing yards and 41 touchdowns in 12 games. But despite his success in college, many analysts believe he was too small for the NFL, and the Packers drafted him in the ninth round only to be the backup to Brett Favre. And Detmer would play for four more teams, mostly uh, in a backup role. So you can see that the accolades that they have in college don't quite make it. Terry Baker uh, was another at quarterback. Baker led Oregon State to a 9-2 and record. Uh, in his senior season, he would finish his college career with 3,476 yards and 23 touchdowns. The Los Angeles Rams would take a chance on Baker as the first overall pick in 63. However, the Rams barely played him in his rookie season. The team would switch to Heisman winning uh, winner to running back with very little success. And after three seasons in the NFL, he headed to the CFL to play uh, for what they then called the Edmund Edmonton Eskimos, who are now the Edmonton Elk, for those of you who uh, think that football 
uh, is crazy with names. Uh, the Canadian Football League uh, had changed the Rough Riders to the Red Blacks, which I'm not sure what that even means. And then the longtime Edmonton Eskimos, uh, who uh, had the likes of Warren Moon and some of the other great quarterbacks that came to the NFL, uh, they changed their name from the Eskimos because they thought they were insulting the uh, native uh, Eskimos in Canada to the elk. Then you had Joe Bellino. For those of you who remember Joe Bellino, he was very versatile on the football field, and he was a Navy alum. He, uh, Joe Bellino uh, rushed for a lot of yardage uh, during his uh, tenure, and uh, he played. Uh, and then of course, there wasn't just Andrew Ware and, and, and Johnny Manziel. Uh, he rushed for 834 yards, caught 15 passes for 264 yards and three touchdowns, and he won the 1960 trophy. And his final game with Navy was a loss to the Orange Bowl. The Redskins would draft him in the 17th round in 61 in the NFL draft, as did the Boston Patriots of the AFL. So he decided to join the Patriots and played three seasons primarily as a kick returner and the lowest drafted Heisman winner in NFL history because of his commitment to the U.S. Navy after graduation. So you can see uh, that you know a college career doesn't necessarily mean greatness when you look at it. So the Heisman then, Pat Sullivan. He was a great quarterback for Auburn, if you remember, 1970. He led the NCAA in total offense, and in 30 games as a Tiger, he threw for 6,284 yards and 53 touchdowns. After winning the Heisman in 71, the Atlanta Falcons drafted him as a second pick, and he would serve as the team's backup for four seasons, and eventually he ended up with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the CFL. After football, Sullivan turned to coaching and became the head coach at Samford University, a position he held from 2007 to 2014. Rashan Salam, if you remember him, the 1994, the running back had one of the best seasons at his position. He became the fourth major college player to top over 2,000 yards, and he scored three touchdowns against Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. But the Bears would use their 21st pick to draft Salam, and his record rookie uh, season was promising one at that. However, he was notorious for fumbling, and he ended up breaking his leg and tearing an ankle ligament. He tried to come back a few times, but ended up in uh, the XFL. Andrew Ware, in his junior season at Houston, Ware set college records for throwing 4,699 yards as well as 46 touchdowns. And after foregoing his senior year, many NFL scouts believed Ware was the real deal. Nevertheless, he never became a star in the NFL. So the Detroit Lions picked the Heisman winner in the first round in the 1990 draft. Ware never got off the bench in his four seasons and ended up playing, as many do, in the CFL, the Canadian Football League, by 1995. And the uh, positive accolade is he would win the Grey Cup with the Toronto Argonauts in 19. Uh, 97. A lot of the players, of course, end up, uh, you know, playing in the Canadian Football League who can't make it in the NFL or who have had uh, difficulty. Then we had Max Leinert. 2004, the USC Trojans started the quarterback in his junior season. He would win the Heisman over teammate Reggie Bush, Oklahoma running back Adrian Peterson, and Utah's Alex Smith. 
and Leinart was considered one of the top prospects of the 2006 NFL draft, and the Arizona Cardinals drafted him 10th overall. He would spend four seasons in the desert before playing in Houston, Oakland, and Buffalo. He signed a deal with the Pac-12 Network as a studio analyst in 2014. Then, we, of course, we had Archie Griffin that we talked about earlier. The Ohio State Buckeye is college football's only two-time Heisman winner. He was the first player ever to start in four Rose Bowls. And in 76 NFL draft, he was the first-round draft choice of the Cincinnati Bengals. He would play seven seasons, all with the Bengals, but struggled throughout his pro career, failing to record a 700-yard season. And despite the mediocrity, Griffin played in Super Bowl in 1981, Super Bowl XI, I believe it was, after his playing days, and the Archie Griffin Award was introduced as college football's MVP of the entire season. Gino Toretta. NFL teams weren't too keen on the quarterback at the 93 draft after failing to in the seventh round. The Minnesota Vikings picked him up. He failed to play at all after being drafted, and eventually was picked up uh, by the Detroit Lions. That's a name that you know normally we, we don't hear too much of, uh, but uh, his only chance to play in the NFL game came during this 96 season finale. He came off the bench for Seattle and threw a 32-yard touchdown pass to Joey Galloway, leading the team to victory. Danny Werfel, you remember him, the 96 Heisman winner, was the NFL for six seasons after graduating from Florida. The New Orleans Saints drafted him in the fourth round. During his six-year career, he played for four different teams finding limited success as a backup and an occasional starter. In 2000, the Florida native would spend a season in the NFL Europe, helping the Rhine fire to league championship. Plus, he was named MVP of the World Bowl, which was the uh, uh, World League's championship, similar to the Super Bowl. And Werfel last played professionally with the Redskins in 2002, retiring in 2004. Ron Day? Ron Dane, if you remember him, 99 Heisman winner is the all-time leader in rushing yards in NCAA Division I uh, FBS history. Dane would be the 11th selection of the 2000 NFL draft by the New York Giants. Team up with Tiki Barber in the backfield, the combination of Dane's power and Barber's speed became known as Thunder and Lightning over the next few seasons. Dane's carry slowly diminished, but he did play in the Super Bowl. Uh, that was Super Bowl uh, 30, I believe it was, with the uh, losing to that great Ravens team who uh, was considered one of the great uh, all-time defenses. Chris Wenke, the Florida State quarterback, won the award in 2000. He'd become the starter for the Carolina Panthers in 2001, but it was a season to forget. The Panthers accumulated an atrocious 1-15 record. And after the season, he was demoted to backup to Jake uh, DeLome, if you remember him. Wanker wouldn't make another start in the NFL until 2006 in place of the injured DeLome. Following brief stints in San Francisco and Cleveland, he turned to coaching where he's worked with the Alabama and Tennessee coaching staffs. Eric Crouch, 2001 Heisman winner, was seen as a better wide receiver than a quarterback, and Crouch was the third-round pick by the St. Louis Rams, then the Rams, uh, St. Louis, in 2002, but never saw it down in a regular season. And he would bounce around numerous teams and leagues. In addition to the NFL, the, he was a Nebraska alum, played safety for the Hamburg Sea Devils of the NFL Europe. And his chance to play quarterback came when he signed with the Argos of the CFL, the Toronto Argonauts. He was the fourth stringer behind Damon Allen. Jason White. 
2003 Heisman winner led the Oklahoma Sooners to back-to-back national championship games despite a strong showing in college. The Sooners lost in both games, and White was not selected for the NFL draft, and he didn't uh, receive any tryout from NFL team in the first several weeks following the post-draft free agency. He became the third Heisman recipient not to be drafted in the NFL after Pete Dawkins of the Philadelphia Eagles way back in the early uh, 60s. He chose the military, and Charlie Ward chose to play in the NBA. Troy Smith was a recipient of the Heisman in 2006, beating out running back Darren McFadden. 2007, the Ravens drafted the quarterback in the fifth round, but he only started two games in three seasons. And afterwards, Smith started six games for the 49ers and was out of the NFL by 2010. In August 2013, Smith would sign a two-year contract with still the Canadian Football League, the Montreal Alouettes. And due to his poor play and Montreal's struggles, Smith was unconditionally released from his contract in October of 2010. Then, of course, you had RG3, Robert Griffin III, Baylor alum in 2011, a recipient of the Heisman Trophy. He was highly touted by the NFL scouts, and the Redskins dealt four picks to move up to the second round uh, to get him in the 2000 draft. But the early results of the RG3 in Washington were outstanding, winning the NFC East division along the way. However, a late-season knee injury damaged the Redskins' playoff hopes. It went all downhill from there, and his struggles continued as he was released after the 2015 season. Then, of course, we had Tim Tebow, who certainly gave us a lot of enjoyment. Uh, Tim Tebow out of Florida, 2010. The Broncos needed a quarterback and selected the 2007 Heisman winner in the first round, aside from his 2011 game-winning pass that won the Broncos a playoff game. Tebow's career wasn't that impressive. His ability to throw the ball in the NFL was a major concern, and Florida alum couldn't brush off the weakness. Following his football days, he turned to another sport, baseball, where he was pursuing a professional contract with the Mets. Then you had Johnny Manziel. Browns traded up the 22nd slot to draft for the 2011 Heisman winner. Johnny Football, they called him, was expected to breathe life into a disgruntled Cleveland franchise. Instead, Manziel's career was nothing more than some of the uh, moments on the field drama, and the sophomore season was wasted following a stint in rehab in 2015. The Browns would move on from the quarterback as Manziel spent two seasons away from football, and then again, like so many others, in 2018, he joined the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL before being traded to the Alouettes. Marcus Mariota, great profile at Oregon. It's shocking that Mariota hasn't seen more success in the NFL. He was drafted by the Titans in the first round of the draft, and the quarterback has failed to consistently find open receivers downfield. The biggest problem with Mariota was that he has been inability to stay healthy. He's fallen victim to numerous injuries in the NFL. Not 30 years old. The good news is that there is still time for uh, Mariota to turn things around. Jameis Winston, the famous crab leg stealer from uh, the uh, supermarket, Uh, He is known for his big arm and even bigger personality. So far in his NFL career, Winston has fallen flat. His knack of winning seems to have stayed at college, where he won the Heisman in his freshman year. His biggest problem in the NFL has been his turnovers. There have been a lot of them, whether through interceptions or fumbles. If Winston could clean up his knack for giving the ball away, he might find success with Tampa Bay. And Then he had Sam Bradford, who was one of the biggest busts, probably next to Ryan Leaf, Uh, In the history of the NFL, it's impossible or possible that no player has profited more of his Heisman win than Sam Bradford. 
played for Oklahoma. He was considered a can't-miss prospect coming out of college. And after a sensational rookie season in the NFL, uh, the trouble began. He tore his ACL, and he couldn't get rid of the injury bug after he recovered. Still, because of the unquestioned potential, he kept cashing in on big contracts, earning over $100 million in his career. Then you had Carson Palmer, a good NFL quarterback. Well, absolutely. He did uh, live up to the hype bestowed upon him by winning the trophy. Not really. Palmer was drafted by the Bengals where he put up big numbers but could never win the big game. And we've seen a lot of players certainly like that uh, who couldn't win. And after uh, the Bengal drafted Andy Dalton, uh, he was uh, uh, kind of with the Raiders and kind of fizzled out there. Now there were others uh, that uh, were in the uh, situation with uh, the Heisman Trophy, but you can see that uh, many of those players with big names didn't really make it. A lot of them were cast off to the Canadian Football League. And then the, the, the most uh, bona fide was certainly Archie Griffin uh, winning the uh, award twice back in the 70s and having a, a really less than stellar career with the Bengals. So you know, one never realizes uh, how the coin is going to uh, drop. But that's a look at uh, some of the failures of the uh, Heisman Trophy winners. We hope that uh, it's been informative to you, and uh, you can look up some of the others. Uh, Most of them, of course, went to the Canadian Football League, where some of them made it and uh, many of them did not. Well, that will about do it for our show today. Thanks so much for joining us on this segment of Sportsbeat Radio Talk and Sports, where we were talking about Heisman Trophy failures in the NFL, the great... uh, trophy for college greatness. Sportsbeat's been a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sportsbeat Radio, and until tomorrow, all of you have a great day and great sports. We'll talk to you again soon, everybody. Thanks for joining us.